Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. I talk to a lot of different service providers, vendors. You know, I seek people like you guys out trying to find out other ways CPGs are doing it. Speaking with the retailers, try to be part of CPG share groups where appropriate. A lot of learning on LinkedIn. It's a constant learning mode here and asking a lot of questions, being really curious. Welcome to today's episode of Brave Commerce. I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm Sarah Hofsetter, president of Profitero. And this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. Sarah, what the trades don't spend enough time covering? This kind of all goes back to the underbelly. There are so many awards for all the things you've accomplished. There's the Cleos, the Can Lions, the Effies. What about the failures? What about the things that just completely did not go well? But then the turnarounds. Those are the stories that like, what makes people want to go to a movie? Like there's an underdog or there's a tension point. If it's all, you know, happy, happy, joy, joy all the time. How do you understand what got you there? hundred percent. When you think about like MBA programs, all they do is study and dissect businesses, successes and failures to figure out how to charge ahead. But from a media perspective, we don't spend any time talking about the lessons that companies have every single day. I mean, there's plenty of stories about case study work. You know, it's all about the marketing, the big unlock. But you ask most people, they'll say they learn more from their failures than they have their successes. 100%. And, you know, at Micmac, we have a company value and it's called Win Together, Learn Together. And the reason why we really establish that as a value is that we wanted to normalize failing and learning from it and celebrate it as much as the big wins as a company. As long as you're learning from it. I think if I even think back, I mean, on a very personal note, I, I left my job six months after joining Nonprofitero. This was the one before that. I had normally been at companies for so long and then I got into this one. It was clearly not the right thing. And uh, 
felt like a total failure, but I learned a tremendous amount from it. And I think it's made my stint at Profiteer that much more successful and something I've learned from. It's funny. I knew that about you, but then I forgot. It's just like, it's like you, you just move on, you know? Again, only if you learn from it and you don't want to be defined by that either. But Micmac 1.0, I'm sure wasn't like the most like, holy shit, I work at it. We're nailing it out of the eight. No, absolutely. I mean, I'm very public with this. You do enough Googling on Micmac, you go back to 2015 and you'll see the company was entirely different. The only thing that's the same is the name. You know, when I first brought the company to market, we went public June of 2015, public as a company. I don't mean on the stock market. We were an iPhone app and people described us as QVC for Snapchat. We were TikTok shopping before TikTok. We were just ahead of our time. And I then evaluated the business a year later. This is now summer 2016. And I was like, this business model doesn't work. You need the scale of eBay for this to become valuable. And to achieve that in summer of 2016, I would have to raise at least $150 million. And I had enough self-awareness to know that wasn't in the cards for me at the time. What are you talking about? You can't just like naturally raise $150 million on a idea? Um, you know, some people have that gift, like Adam Newman, but uh, I don't I don't have that gift. Well, you do have substance, so there's that. Yeah, thank you, thank you. On the flip of it, it's much more interesting when these experiences are brought forward at even bigger scale and listening to Francesca Hahn at Mondelez talk about the initial failures of going D to C and their key learnings that have happened from it. And frankly, the, how they came out the other side, but what it took to get there, it's not like, oh yeah, everything Oreo touches turns to gold. There's actual work that goes into that and there's learnings that go into that. Well, with that, let's bring Francesca onto the show. One of the most iconic brands in the world, Barnon, is Oreo, but that is only one of the many brands that Mondelez International has. And today, representing Mondelez International is a massive thought leader herself, Francesca Hahn, VP of U.S. Digital Commerce at Mondelez. Francesca, it's so good to be reconnected with you. I feel like Following you and your team on LinkedIn is just, it doesn't hold a candle to in-person, but I'll take it for now. We have a lot going on, don't we, Sarah? (laughs) Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You guys are also thought leaders, so it's a real pleasure to be here with you today. I don't know how we're going to get our heads through this virtual uh, door with the (laughs) ego stroking. I love it. All right, let's get into uh, the nitty gritty. So all three of us have worked and continue to work on the Mondelez business over the years, and One of the things that has always struck me, and actually this is the 110th year of Oreo, if I recall correctly, 2012 was the uh, 100th birthday. So the Oreo cookie certainly has emerged as a form of media in and of itself. So how do you guys think about your e-commerce channels as your media as well? We think about online as an extension of the brand experience. High level, I want a seamless integrated brand experience wherever people want to find us, learn about us, eventually buy our brands. And if that's a commercial, if it's social media, if it's a delivery truck or online, you know, we want to be the exact same feel and look of our brand. And I feel like with the e-commerce and as many people that are online shopping, we have a lot of opportunities to drive awareness. We have brand stores online and some of our key retailers. So you're able to tell the brand story there. We can organize the products the way we want it to look and make it have as much sense for the people so they can find what we want. 
as well as we've got product detail pages where we can actually tell deeper stories besides just the title, the bullets, the images. We can also tell our sustainability story with Coco Life. We're able to just go deeper with the type of media that you can do with our product detail pages. Internally at the, the organization, do they think of that real estate as media? Like if you added it up to billboard space, is, is that a concept or is it more of a revenue driving channel? I think we think of it as brand presence everywhere we want to be. And we certainly are trying to also drive more call to action and our high level awareness. So we're seeing it as an opportunity to have the brand everywhere. And so you're working across these categories that sometimes are unplanned. And what we hear from folks that have your seat is that pricing, the packaging, it's different within a digital environment as opposed to a brick and mortar environment. How do you think about the P's, the big P's? when it comes to driving digital commerce? Well, Subhub, it's very similar. We sell a lot of products on Omnichannel, so it's very much the same. Yet, Yes, there's an opportunity to tell maybe the more of the story online, but ultimately it's very similar. But for the original e-commerce, you know, when you think about in the early days of when we were trying to sell online on Amazon, we had to do bigger packs to hit those price thresholds that, you know, just to make it profitable enough to sell. And what we discovered was actually how expandable the consumption was. So you could go pretty big. I mean, there's so many opportunities with larger price points for lunch boxes, portion size to snacking, big counter bowls, depending on the type of house you have, a number of people there, offices, so many opportunities there. So that was a really interesting piece. Of course, also when you're selling through more home to delivery uh, situation like Amazon, you also can do the ship and own container where you leverage a different type of real estate with the box. So that's an interesting opportunity. From a pricing perspective, what's interesting is the price slope isn't the same in store as online. I think old school thinking in store would be as you slope it, the cheaper per unit as the box gets bigger, where we find the online shoppers may be willing, maybe willing to pay more for the convenience of the exact combination they want, while they also may have an opportunity to activate a subscription discount, as an example. And I also think online is interesting because we can test and learn to see what the right combination of products should be. Um, shelf space is super tough, long time frames that we have to wait on. So we can figure out what works better online first and then consider if it makes sense for the shelf. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth. 
your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Hmm. Makes a ton of sense. But what I took away from what Francesca was sharing is that, at least in the universe of Mondelez, the e-com customer spends more and greater consumption. And so here's an opportunity, if you can get the profitability equation right, to, to have much better margins and a longer relationship with the customer. In terms of e-com, you know, your brands are, many of the brands are highly distributed everywhere. But we've also seen Mondelez make acquisitions like Tate's, which we just had on the show, that had a stronger D2C play. How does the organization think about D2C versus mass retail distribution? We are sold everywhere. So it, it is an interesting challenge. And direct-to-consumer is going to be challenging if you can find it at your 7-Eleven or at your Walmart down the street. So my perspective for grocery brands is if you're going to be direct-to-consumer, it needs to be an experience that's consistently unique or something that a shopper can't get in the in-store environment. We've tested a few things over time. There was a site called shop.oreo.com where we were customizing just the pack of Oreo. It did not work. Two reasons is it wasn't special enough. And the second was we weren't sending them back to Oreo.com. So it was really hard to send to another site. Just not great. So we failed it. But we found another unique proposition, which was the Oreo ID, where it's super customized. It's an experience. You get to customize the cream inside the Oreo, the, the dip, the chocolate, the sprinkles, the picture on the front of it in a really nice premium box. It's super giftable and it sits on Oreo.com. So that's really worked well, as well as with Sour Patch Kids, there was an insight of people want their favorite flavor or their favorite color. And you can't get that in the grocery experience. So we were able to do that, customize it, and now actually put in a really nice box. It can be to a season. It can have your name on it. So it, it's a great experience too. And again, it sits on the main sourpatchkids.com site. And now we send all media, all call to action, all goes to the same site. So we're able to get a secular experience for the shopper as they're hitting it. They may not go in there looking for Oreo ID, but they might find it or vice versa, they'll find out we have merch or you can go find your where to buy to a retailer to find the products for the everyday products. So it's, it's worked out pretty good. And, and then with experiences like some of our venture brands like Tate's, there's certainly well-being reasons such as you want your vegan or your gluten-free offering. And sometimes it's harder to find in an in-store situation. So again, another reason why it might make better sense to have a direct consumer experience. Could you imagine if you could customize your cliff bar? What would you do? It's just some things just don't translate. Am I right? Well, I mean, you never know. Workout. Yeah, I see the opportunity. No, I mean, having something you couldn't get at the grocery. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. I'm all for the customization. In fact, Oreo idea, I think, is is genius. And I like that it comes out of key learnings of things that didn't work in the past. Um, so being able to look at things and say, okay, well, this didn't work. Why didn't it work? Obviously, you know, you, like you were saying, the, the, the shopper experience was, was pretty crappy and there was not, not enough of an unlock, but very rarely do people say, oh, I, I got to get a birthday present for somebody. I better, I, I better pick up 
you know, a family size pack of Oreos, but the average order value has got to be significantly higher for Oreo ID than it would be in addition to kind of the cool factor of that as well. No? 100%. Francesca, you have your finger on the pulse with the industry. We would love to hear what keeps you up at night. What, what headwinds do you think are coming our way in 2023? Well, it is clear that people love to buy snacks online. It's continuing to scale. It's definitely what's called new normal is still continuing at a strong trajectory. So the challenge of that is how are omni-channel retailers going to figure out the economics of e-commerce? As we know, retailers are now selling their own media. I think it was very understandable moves that they want to own their own destiny and make money off versus having an agency doing the work for them. So, but now of course we're having to figure that out and respond and we need to make sure that it's sufficient use of our funds on how we are promoting and spending media online, as well as retailers are now trying to figure out how more economically to deliver this omni-channel experience to shoppers, either via delivery to home or via buy online pickup in store where they are right now. It's not a very good use of labor. It, you know, one big Bopis order can clear a whole shelf. So it's not a great experience for the store. So they need an alternative way. They're in a big test and learn stage right now out with all the, with several retailers trying to figure this out. So for Mondelez, our point of view is we, first of all, need to be aware of it. We want to be a partner. We want to make sure that we can service these options well, either with our direct store delivery or through warehouse ordering. We need to be flexible, supportive, and also give our point of view where appropriate for snacking. For example, we sell products that are meltable. What's the solution to make sure that that's going to be the right experience consistently through the years? So these are things that I'm thinking a lot about and don't have the answers. And I don't think our retailer partners have the answers yet. And we need to figure it out together. Other than listening to Brave Commerce, where do you get your inspiration? What do you do with multiple Toblerones? I mean, I eat them, but what would anybody else do? I talk to a lot of different service providers, vendors. You know, I seek people like you guys out trying to find out other ways CPGs are doing it. Speaking with the retailers, try to be part of CPG share groups where appropriate. A lot of learning on LinkedIn. It's a constant learning mode here and asking a lot of questions, being really curious. I like something that you said earlier, and I'm, I'm seeing a pattern. Maybe it's intentional, maybe it isn't. But there are two kinds of media as I see it. People call you know, paid and earned and all that other stuff. But there's appreciating media and there's depreciating media. Depreciating media is like, you know, the minute you roll the car out of the lot, it starts depreciating in value. The minute you spend the money on, on the advertising, eventually it doesn't necessarily come back to help you other than the 1P component of it. Ultimately, it depreciates in value. You're talking about appreciating asset. The more you invest in Oreo.com, the more you invest in your PDPs, the more you invest in these things that don't disappear over time, the more you can really extract a better return because you're thinking about the totality of how both the appreciating and the depreciating are working together. I think of it as building a house. I mean, you're building all the different floors. You're trying to make sure that it's stable. You should still test and learn. You should still try a new carpet buy a new TV, check it out. But you've got to also have this foundation that's really solid and and keep building on to uh, make sure that the brand experience is great. Well, 
folks, if you're looking to build your house, you got to watch what Francesca's doing at Mondelez. We got to ask you a famous last question. Was What's the bravest thing you've ever done? The bravest thing I would say I've ever done is really taking a bet on myself to leave Colgate Palmolive after 11 and a half years. I had a lot to be grateful working for Colgate. It's a dynamite company and learned a lot, had a lot of great leadership training, great experiences. It was how I learned e-commerce. So it, it was a real big deal for being with that company for so long. But to be honest, I didn't feel I drove my career. I worked hard. I made the most of each position. I had a really good reputation, yet each role happened to me. I was not driving it. It was a comfort zone and frankly, probably constraining set of expectations. And I wasn't bringing my whole self. And I can't say that's Colgate's fault at all. It, it was just the place I was in. And I didn't have the confidence to challenge the status quo and really lean into myself. So leaving was the bravest thing because I had to bet on myself. And frankly, with support from my family and my husband, two kids, betting on walking away to see what else I could do without the comfort zone. And what I discovered was my voice as a leader. I have so much more confidence in bringing my authentic self, especially as an advocate for women in leadership, truly valuing unique differences, which contributes to driving success for people first, then the teams, and then ultimately the company will win, in my view. I don't think I would have gotten this if I hadn't taken that step. Though I don't know if you necessarily have to leave a company to figure that out. But for me specifically, I do think it was important. But I've had a lot more learning since about taking meaningful breaks, leaning on coaches and mentors, practicing reflection. I mean, there's some things you can do so you don't have to leave a company, but it was certainly the thing that was my bravest thing I ever did. That's awesome. And sometimes you do need to change the environment to change behaviors. We're proud of your growth at Mondelez. Thank you for being a friend to Sarah and I. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Such a pleasure. Thanks for listening. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And don't forget to share this link with a friend. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hi, I'm Jackie Cooper, Global Chief Brand Officer at Edelman and the host of Touch of Truth, a new podcast launching on the Adweek Podcast Network. My dad gave me this incredibly smart piece of advice, meet everyone once. As a result, I've met some of the most fascinating and inspiring people on the planet. Now on Touch of Truth, we're coming center stage and sharing the mic to experience stories of truth, insights and visions for the future that will challenge your way of thinking. Touch of Truth is available wherever you listen to podcast. New episodes come out every Tuesday. I do hope to see you there.